What's good, humans? What's good, humans? We use human all of the time in Courage Go and in the mastermind. It's hysterical. So <laughs> that is a term of endearment. Also, we call each other faith walkers and spiritual running buddies. Welcome back to the God's Vibes podcast. I am so glad that you're here. We have a really, really powerful episode. If you've not heard of apologetics and having a defense for why you believe what you believe, this episode for sure, for sure, is for you. Shanda offers so much wisdom. So we're about to dive into that. But there are some exciting announcements and things that you might not know. Definitely, if you're not in Courage Co., you wouldn't know, but you're going to want to know some of these things. Number one, we have officially opened the waitlist for the Spirit Driven Success Life Coach Certification. <laughs> this is something we've been diligently working on behind the scenes. We are so excited to be able to offer that. This is an answer and a solution to a lot of gaps that have been in the coaching industry in that space. And this is providing so much value that is needed and that is necessary. So it's for kingdom life coaches that are either aspiring coaches or seasoned life coaches, right? You could even identify, for example, as being a Christian life coach, but you truly want to bring the spirit into what you do. You want to embrace prophetic life coaching. You want to be able to pray you want to be able to encourage with the word of God. There's a lot of different ways that when you're flowing with the spirit, it changes everything when you're coaching. It changes you as a coach. So this is a kingdom life coach certification program for aspiring and seasoned life coaches. And it's truly a transformative journey that will not only empower you, but also enable you to empower others through the power of your faith. Okay. We are walking by faith. And this Spirit-Driven Success Life Coach Certification Program is designed to equip you with tools, with knowledge, and skills to become a highly effective spiritual life coach, helping individuals unlock their full potential and achieve extraordinary results through the guidance of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is also a solution to meet the growing demand of kingdom life coaches and spread God's love and guidance within different spheres of influence and beyond, right? It's really a discipleship program <laughs> on another level. I like to say that the God's Vibes Mastermind is your inner development. And it is so, so important to have this inner development locked down, locked down. So we talk all about identity, about partnering with God, co-laboring with God. We talk about expanding your creative capacity and multiplying your influence. And we do a deep dive in the mastermind. It is no joke. Okay. It is a Holy Spirit boot camp of sorts. It's personal development <laughs> on a whole nother level. And the Spirit Driven Success Life Coach Certification Program, that is more like a deployment. That's more experiential education. Now that your insides are right, we got to go out into the world, right? And make disciples of nations. And many, many, many people don't recognize that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We have to be mature. We have to be wise. We have to be equipped. Okay. So this program helps you not just with ethics, because that's a huge piece 
that is lacking in the industry. So you've got to know what the morals are, what your standards of excellence are, what ethically coaching well looks like and what it does not look like. So this is a huge section of what we talk about. We have all sorts of coaching curriculum just to help you be strengthened as a coach. Okay, so we do a deep dive into coaching. We also do a deep dive into spirit-driven entrepreneurship because that's very different than secular or worldly entrepreneurship. And we also talk about kingdom influencing and being out in the world influencing for the kingdom is very different than being out there for yourself or out there for other people, right? It is very, very different. So this is a very intense program. It's an experiential program and it is powerful. We cover many, many aspects. It has a faith-based approach. There involves kingdom impact in it. There's prophetic insight and entrepreneurial training for sure. Okay. So you'll get instant access to the training portal. There will be four different modules inside of the program. There's weekly coaching. There's all sorts of bonus trainings. You get a life coach toolkit. You get a training manual and so much more. You even get the potential to coach with Encourage Go. Okay. So it is very, very powerful. You can get all of the information, but when we join forces, it's important for you to know you'll be able to reclaim your authority. You'll be able to co-create with God and you'll be able to multiply your impact. Okay. The next cohort starts January 8th, 2024. Okay. We do have a payment plan available for the program and we do have information sessions that will be held every Thursday up until enrollment. Okay. So right now the wait list is open. You're able to apply. You have to apply to be considered. Okay. Then once you're accepted into the program, you'll have to be able to make an investment into the program. And the program is six months in length, but it is officially open. You are able to apply. There will be details in the show notes. You'll also be able to see that in Courage Co. If you're on the inside of Courage Co., you can click under courses and programs and you will find it. If you're outside of Courage Co., you will see the option where you can apply for the Spirit Driven Success Life Coach Certification. So if you feel called to be a coach, I personally had wrestled with that. I was trying to resist the call. (laughs) So if that is you, I see you. (laughs) I literally had to break two wrists before I gave in to my call, okay? So I get it. I've been coaching since 2008, so I've been through a lot, a lot, a lot of this industry, and I've coached with God and without God, and I intimately know the difference. So there's so much power that is packed into the certification for just six months, all right? So take some time to go apply if it is on your heart to be a coach or to gain more skills and diversify your coaching. It's so, so important that we are highly equipped, highly trained for what is happening in the world right now. So you are invited to apply to that. Another thing to note, we are going to have our next, let's see, for the Courage Co. Masterclass Bundle, our next training will be on the 9th. And then also on the, I believe it's the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, but those are coming up. So inside Courage Co., you can be on the lookout for those upcoming challenges. We bundle it all together. So if for some reason you can't join us live, you can access the Courage Co. Masterclass Bundle and get access to all of the previous trainings or join us live on future ones. But you don't have to miss out. It's the Courage Co. Masterclass Bundle. 
All right. So those things are coming up. We're super excited to dive deep and to grow. And you're welcome to join us. It's www.courageco.org where you can see all of these things. Weekly, small groups, prophetic prayer calls. We've got these monthly trainings. We've got the VIP mastermind that you can dive into and also the coach certification. So come hang out with us. We're really committed to helping you live your most courageous and impactful story, no matter where you are at on your journey. So we look forward to connecting with you in there. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Shanda. Welcome, Shanda, to the God's Vibes podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yes, so fun to have you here. Tell the folks who you are. Tell us a little bit about you. Who is Shanda? Well, my name is Shanda Fulbright. I am the host of the Her Faith Inspires podcast, where I take a lot of cultural issues and cultural topics, and then I apply a biblical perspective to those. Um, As Christians, how do we handle these things? What do we say? You know, um, I try to help my listener to equip them with the word of God and make sure that they know how to encounter some of these issues that probably the church really doesn't talk about too much. And I also am a curriculum writer where I talk about and help um, Christians know the why behind the what of Christianity. So yes, God exists, but why do we put our trust in him? Why do we put our trust that the Bible is the inspired word of God? And um, so Christian apologetics is really my realm that I'm in and I teach online courses to kids and I'm really the basics teacher. I look at myself as laying those foundations because a lot of times the biblical illiteracy is an issue with Christians. And so going back and laying that biblical foundation and then building the, like I said, the, the science and the philosophy and all those kinds of things that lead to why we put our trust in who God is. Ah, love it. Obsessed already. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your journey too. Like, how did you get to that place? Like you don't just wake up there. Right. So like, what has your God journey been? Have you always known God? How has this evolved to that place? Yeah, I would say I, God is, was in my life from birth. I mean, there wasn't a time where we didn't say the blessing. There wasn't a time when God, you know, we didn't pray on the way to school. I mean, God was everywhere in everything. My mom made sure we took, we went to, this was back to when church was like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. And whenever the church doors were open, you're there. Yeah. Yeah, You live there and you're just like (laughs) praying that you won't go to church all the time. Cause you're like, all right, we get it. Like we're supposed to go to church. So I was, I never really thought anything of it. Like my mom said, God exists. And I was like, all right, he, he exists. I was, I'm one of those kids, you know, I was one of those kids that just did not need to be convinced. I guess you could say, I, I, I believed you. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, that'll take people at face value anyway, you know? And so when I was 17, I remember, you know, I'm walking through my high school campus and I'm praying like I usually do, like I'm praying I love and I'm not at, yeah, not at church and not at home where I can ask questions or anything like that. And I don't even remember what I was praying about. I just know how I ended the prayer because I think I probably ended it this way all the time. But I said, I love you, God. Amen. And immediately, immediately the question came back to me and I know it was by the Holy spirit. The Lord was, was making me question that. Do you really love me? Or are you just saying that because this is what you you've done your whole life. Yeah. And so, you know, those movies where like everything stops, but the, the main character is aware and can yeah. move, but everything else is suspended in time. Yeah. And you have like this chance to think, and it, it really did. It felt like an eternity for me to, 
decide, like, am I going to lie to God and say, yeah, you know, I love you and kind of brush it off and continue to go on with this kind of like a charade? Or was I going to be honest and say, I don't love you because I don't even know you. And so I decided to be honest with God. And I said, because it scared me. It really did. The reality of the fact that I didn't have my own relationship with God and kind of thought that I did up until that point really did rock me. And I said, God, I don't love you because I don't know you. Like help me to know you for myself and not just say I do because mom has been telling me this, you know, my entire life. And so that was like my, that was my journey with the Lord and my heart's cry at 17 was really like, I remember seeking God and just saying, God, I really do want to know you. I want to know you through your word. And so I was very much though raised in more of a charismatic church where feelings and emotions was, it was hyper emotional, hyper, like if you felt God, then you knew God kind of thing. Like that's what they equated the, the feelings and the emotion meant, you know, Oh, you know what? God exists. Cause I felt him on a Sunday morning or God exists because someone came up to me and said, you know, God told me to tell you thus. And so, and it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, God loves me. He's pinpointed me for a, a specific message. And so my shifting of wanting to know God was still there, but the avenue in which I took that didn't lead me to the end result of truly knowing him. I mean, we did, our church was, our church was good about, and my mom was very good about like, you need to know, know the word of God. And so I did study the Bible and I did read the Bible, but I was very much dependent upon feeling the feeling, feeling God. And so anyways, I kind of went through that and still studied the Bible. And so, you know, one day I heard that, you know, this, the apologetics was, talk there's there's different arguments for you know the existence of god and apologetics which some people know apologetics some people are like what does that word even mean apologetics i know some of our listeners don't know what that means okay so (laughs) apologetics comes from doesn't mean to say i'm sorry or to apologize for anything it actually comes from the apologia which is the greek word for to defend so i had i would get a couple of questions from people who weren't christians And it would be like, well, how do you know what you believe is true? Everybody thinks what they believe is true. And I would be like, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, because the Bible tells me, well, there's a lot of people out there whose authority is not the Bible. And so even if I was to say, Hey, my mom told me and I trust her, they don't know who my mom is. So you, you know, I really, I started to realize like, I didn't have the answers that would help other people be solid into one even evaluating the existence of God, or once they believe God exists, Christianity itself, because there are other theism, you know, theistic religions, um, that, and then I also realized that even for Christians, you have the majority of kids leaving the church between 18 and 25 is well over 75%. And so we're not giving them the answers that they need to lay that foundation and be confident in their faith. So even if, so if those kids are not like me, who is like, okay, yeah, mom said it all, believe it, which really won't hold anyone into any belief system, you know, um, they, they will leave and that's what they're doing. So I started to realize like, I have a responsibility as a Christian to say, not just what I believe. Yes. God exists. Yes. I believe in Jesus. Yes. I believe in the Bible. I had a responsibility to say why. And the why is the reasons 
and the um the the convincing arguments that put you into the the marketplace of ideas and helps you hold your own when you have people like you know um new agers atheists you know, Eastern mysticism, whatever you want to say, when we're all there together, you have to be able to say, I can hold my own with this and not just throw out a a scripture, which obviously scripture is important. And we, we would get to that point, but you won't convince anybody with, without having a good solid uh, defense of the, the reason, the why you believe what you do. So that started making me dive in to um, more of the apologetics because it was really the missing piece for me. And then I realized knowing God has nothing to do with emotion, you know, the head and the heart are not in conflict with each other when it comes to knowing who God is and having a relationship with him. And I thought that they did. And a lot of times we, as people can compartmentalize those when we see that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Well, the Old Testament and Deuteronomy does not mention mind. It says heart, soul, and strength. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus says heart, soul, strength, and mind. Well, why did they have to change from the Old and the New Testament? Because in the Old Testament, the people understood that heart and mind were together. Whereas in the New Testament, they started to compartmentalize those things. And so that's what I was like, oh, wait, I have to feel God to know him. And God does not bypass the mind to get to the heart. So that was really what led me to where I am today. And I mean, it all comes together, right? It's like, it was a long time ago when I was 17 to now. And so God is very patient with us and there is a journey. And that's why I always say we have to also be patient with other people who are on this journey as well, because we don't know where they are, you know, in their walk. And that's why discipleship is also so important. But anyways, we can go off on tangents. If I'm not careful, I would oh, do that. So I, I love, I love, so I love that there's like this 17 year old, do you know exactly where you were in this moment? Like, were you in like a hallway? Like, where were you? Yeah, I was actually on, uh, I was later in the day and I was on the, the way to one of my like later classes after lunch. And so it was like walking across the grass. Like I can picture it in my head. It's like, yeah one of those pivotal moments yeah. in time where you just know where you were and it's the flashback. It's like seared into your memory. Totally. So yeah. I yeah. kind of like love it too. Like it's a movie moment, but it's also like, we've got a long way to go. Like you know, yeah. we've yeah. got like a lot that we get to explore. So I also love for you that you are seeing that, okay, you're seeing the gaps early. Like I'm not going to be able to find God here, here, here. So what did you start to explore? Like, what did you, when you started to understand that, okay, the mind and heart are actually connected, or this is really changing how I am experiencing God. How did you take that further? Like what started to work with you? So you couldn't just walk into this church and be changed necessarily, or like you couldn't go to this place because nobody was teaching that. So how did you actually start finding where almost like the baby was leaping, right? Where you're like, yes, like, this is what I need to listen to. This is really encouraging. This is what's strengthening me. How did you start finding that? Well, I... Again, it was, I think it was a slower process before I got to be, I didn't really even, I would, I would read my Bible, but I wasn't a diligent studier and I'm a, I'm also a public school teacher, a former public school teacher. So I have my teaching credential. So I understand the side of teaching. Yeah. And then I also understand that there's a student's responsibility to learn. And as Christians, we are people of a book. So we are actually into an intellectual faith. Yes. That's what we belong to that. We belong to an intellectual faith and Christians don't really understand that. And I don't think that I connected the fact that I am supposed to be a student of the word um, 
yeah. all the days of my life. One of the questions I hated when I went to apply for a teaching job was, how are you going to continue your education? I'm like, I'm done already. Like I graduated. I am out of there. Like, I don't want to continue my education. You know, I hated that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but as Christians, like, um, I've learned to love to be a student of the word. And what, one of the things I appreciate my mom for is the fact that she would always say, God speaks to us by his word and you get to know him through his word. And Biblical literacy, like there's a biblical worldview that we're all supposed to have. Like everyone has a worldview. Everyone has a worldview. A lot of people say, well, what is that? And why do I care? The a worldview is how you see the world. It affects everything that you do, your perception of reality, your, uh, do you believe in objective truth? Who, who is the source of all truth? Yeah. Where do we come from? What's the problem of evil? How do we solve that problem? Everyone's going to have a worldview. For Christians, it should be a biblical worldview. And I know that as to over time, the, the, the word of God began to develop my worldview, which pushed me further along to want to know more. Yeah. And, and so studying the word of God was my journey. But when I was around 30 years old, I went through a a really heavy bout of anxiety Mm. and, um, it wasn't my first time going through it, but I remember that I knew was for me, like there are people who go through anxiety and they might have, like, they might need medication or they might have to go to somebody for help for that. For me, I knew it was a spiritual battle at that point. I knew that for me, I had to trans, like I had to allow God to transform my mind because I would default back to worry. And it could be like, it was the what ifs, like for me, it was what if this and what if that, and they were very irrational. And so I knew it was something that I was allowing the enemy to just make me fear. And I, I didn't know how to combat that. And so I wasn't an avid student in my twenties. Like I would read and I'd go to church and I was faithful to that. But as far as really investing in the word of God, making it my daily bread, I wasn't doing that. And so when I was 30, I was praying and I thought, okay, I have two young babies and I can't go back to when I was in my early twenties with anxiety, where I'd be like, call in at work. Cause I don't feel like going today and just lay around and be like, Oh, you know, life is terrible and not eat. And I lose a lot of weight and stuff when I go through it. Cause it really gripped me. And I thought I can't do that. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Now I have to take control of this and responsibility. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Yeah. And again, just like when I was 17, we, we, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and we know when God is speaking to us and it was by the word. And so I told myself, I'm going to get into that word and I am going to stand on the word and I am going to not allow the enemy to let those seeds of fear be planted in my mind. And so I really made that commitment at 30 that if God transforms us by the renewing of our mind and his word is the thoughts of God, it's the word of God that I am going to put that into my into my mind and get to not only know him, but to think better, to really be able to face things. So I made that commitment. And since I have been 30, I became a avid student of the word. And then again, when, um, you know, when 2020 happens, I thought, okay, I don't like the church that we're in. We've been here for over 18 years. It is very highly emotional. Um, They all were freaking out about COVID and I get it. You know, the first couple of months, okay, let's all figure what the out, figure out what this is. But at some point, 
at some point we have to get back to reality and it shows its real colors. And I was just like, all the churches in California were closing most of them, not all of them. The ones who didn't were making headlines. And I'm like, something's got to change. And so I started to listen to different people and they were the ones who were talking about being confident in what you believe. And that's where it took me on to apologetics. And one thing I want to say about that is, you know, George Barna, he has a worldview inventory study where he came out and he said, 65% of Americans claim to be Christians. Mm. That's a lot. That's, that's, that is a very, I guess you could say if something's going to comfort you in the 21st century with the world looking the way that it is, it'd be like, wow, that's great. However, a deeper dive into those statistics show that only 6% have a biblical worldview, which means only 6% are thinking biblically. Mm-hmm. And so that was also my problem. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to know God, but I'm not even thinking biblically. Why? Because the path to a biblical worldview is biblical literacy. So we have to be students of the word. So yeah. the only thing that will shake people after 30 years old is a crisis. So if people in 2020 started to say, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I need to go back to church or this is crazy. I need, but the doors are closed, um, many of them, or I need to figure something out with my life, what's going on in the world. Then that's the only thing that's going to shake them to say, maybe I need to rethink what I've always believed. And so a lot of people started to make changes. Then a lot of people moved states. A lot of people changed churches. A lot of people went deeper into, you know, whatever practice they were practicing. I went deeper into knowing what I believed and why, because I was like, if we're going to make a life change, we're going to change it. And we're going to make sure we follow God 100% be all in. So yeah, yeah. it's amazing. That's amazing. So how did that, that probably change how you were showing up in the work that you do now? right? Oh yeah. Like how did that transform? Well, I ended up hearing Dr. Frank Turk from crossexamine.org. Crossexamine is a a nonprofit uh, ministry that Dr. Frank Turk goes to these universities and he talks to atheists and skeptics who don't believe in God. And so my husband started listening to him and I was listening to Vody Bauckham and I was starting expository apologetics and these are just people that were outspoken and that were standing on the truth. And I was like, man, I wish that I could find that in our own hometown, on our own church, that kind of thing. So yeah. we started listening, you know, online and stuff. And so my husband was like, Hey, you need to listen to this guy. And he talks to atheists and stuff. And I started listening. I'm like, I don't even know this stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know it. In 2020, my husband and I were driving in June, everything was still closed down. We were driving to Pismo Beach, California for our anniversary trip anniversary trip. And this news came out about um Hawk Nelson, the lead singer of Hawk Nelson. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm deconstructing. I'm in my 30s. I'm leaving Christianity. Mm. And I was like, What? His dad's a pastor. He's been singing and making music, making money from his Christian music for years. But he's like, Why does God send bad? Uh, why does God send people to hell? Why, why is, is, how is a good God going to send people to hell? And I'm like, wait a second. He's in his thirties and he's asking that question. Mm. Like, why is the church answering that? Mm. If he's been in church all of his life and his dad's a pastor, why isn't he satisfied with the answer to that question? Because yeah. hell is not the only story. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a good news to that. Hell's the bad news, but there's good news. Where is this? Yeah. So he's, he was also saying, you know, there was other reasons that he was leaving. And I'm like, wait, and my husband and I started talking and then we realized would, if Hawk Nelson was in my church, would I have given him a better answer? 
would I, would I have satisfied his, his questioning? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think I could have done it. So then at the same time, we're listening to Frank Turk, we're listening to Vody Bauckham. And I start realizing I have these gaps in my, in my understanding. I cannot even defend the very thing I've said, I believe my entire life. Yeah. And I knew it was apologetics. That was the missing piece. So we just really dove right in. And then I started taking these online classes from now the company I work with is online Christian courses that is connected to Dr. Frank Turek. Um, and then they're like, Hey, do you want to help us write the kids curriculum? So kids know, I mean, so they understand if they're being raised as Christians, they can evaluate all these worldviews and they can say, all right, let's look at new age. Why isn't the universe God? Let's look at, you know, Islam or whatever. Why, why is Muhammad not the prophet and going through all of these different rounds? So I was like, Hey, I'm all in, let's do it. And so I just became, I dove deep. I started to read everything because my mind was just like soaking it up. And so now I get to write it and I get to teach it and I absolutely love it. But I also have to go back to the fact that I had placed such an emphasis on being a student of the word to help me be able to do this now because you don't want to build with apologetics you want to build with the bible as christians and then you want to put apologetics into that you know even yeah. yeah so good i love and this happened in like a two-year span like it was like definitely accelerated it sounds it's like. very accelerated even okay. frank yeah even frank turk people <laughs> i work with are like how did you how do you know it so quickly like how did you know apologetics so quickly i'm like it's the bible i knew the bible like i can connect it's just because they can give me like the cosmological argument, which is everything that has a beginning has a cause. The universe has a beginning. Therefore, the universe has a cause. OK, yeah. that's the very first thing. If the universe has a cause, something outside of space, time and matter had to have caused it. OK, it's God. What does the Bible say? I am the first and the last and the beginning and the end. The a thousand years is like one day. One day is like a thousand years. God is spirit. He's not matter. So yeah. it's like, I've connected all of that to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that explains God yeah. immediately. But for somebody who doesn't have the Bible, they just need to know that. And then you hopefully lead them to the Bible and get them to, to at least evaluate that at some point. But yeah, that's, it's the Bible is the foundation for Christians. You're not going to get around it. And so you can build on that. And if you have a solid foundation, then it makes it easier to grasp those other things. Totally. I love to, this is just speaking to the diversity of teaching or like the diversity of how gifts are expressed or the diversity of how we hear and receive from God, like all of it, it's just showing that. And I love for you that there was like a deep yearning or hunger for this answer your whole life. And so then when you finally hit it, you're like, yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it almost like made you go like faster into it. Cause I think when we are like literally like a child like that, we can absorb so much more than you can oh, imagine. Yeah. And then he just starts connecting it to all the ways that he's wired you, right? Yeah. You know what's funny about that is like the acceleration, right? Yeah. And I, well, I went to CrossFit eight years ago, I think right. it was. And I used to, they used to say, oh, don't, how long have you been doing CrossFit? Two years. Oh, don't worry. You'll, you'll get better at it. Oh, you just yeah. got to give it more time. Like, cause sometimes I'd be like, wait, what's a clean and jerk again? You know, at the first year or so. And then after a while they're like, oh, okay. Then you'll get better as you go along. I was like, how many years do I have to invest in this before <laughs> I get better at like kipping pull-ups or whatever? Yeah. And I tell people all the time, God is not like that. Oh. If, you know, even James tells us that God gives wisdom to all liberally if they yeah. ask. Yeah. And so God is an accelerated God yes. with, and I think that acceleration does match the desire of your heart. 100%. If you desire to know who he is and you hunger and thirst for the righteousness yeah. for who 
for who he is, God will fill you. That's what yes. the Bible says. Yes. And so God's not like, oh, you've only been a Christian two years. Just hang tight. You'll get it. Right. He doesn't do that. He's he, as we seek him, we'll find him. Yes. That's what the Bible says. Yes. And so if the Bible says that, then we can bank on it, that God's going to do his part. Yes. And that's what I love about God. I don't have to go. Sorry. It's not like a CrossFit gym where you have to put in your time and you put in your do, you know, pay your dues. He accelerates your learning. If that's the desire of your heart. 100%. That's been my experience too. And I'm curious too, from like your perspective now, right, where you were in a very emotional, as you're putting it, church environment, right? Then you really have this love for the word and studying it and breaking down the word and connecting with God through that, or even speaking the word, which is speaking his will into your life. So can you connect how you still live a spirit led life to also this love for the word that you have without that being super emotional? Can you bridge that gap for people that don't maybe understand that? Yeah, sure. I know I, that's the thing too, is that again, the, you know, the, the head and the heart are not isolated. Right. Yes. And yes. I always say emotions are not the heart. Like, and I think that that's the part that people, it's hard to, it's hard to think about the heart, not being the emphasis. When yes. you say, yes. give your heart to God, everything, yes. we always say stuff about the heart. Right. Yes. And so when somebody had also said, Matthew 22, 37, like we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Someone said, oh, hey, don't forget the mind. We are to love it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I think as the the teacher in me pulled on to that. So how do you make it to where it's not an intellectual, like so intellectual, right? Where it's all like study, study, study. And yeah. And heady. Yeah. This is what I tell people. The, the response However, that response is, if it comes in tears, if it comes in joy, whatever that response is, follows what you know, because you can't love what you don't know. So, I mean, if we look at that in life, we love the people that we know the most because we spend time with them and then we respond to them in a hug or we respond to them in what we give to them. That's how it is with the Lord our emotional response is going to follow the knowledge of God. A lot of times people try to drum up that emotion. Oh, if I feel God, or I'm going to go to like, again, I was raised in an environment where people would literally use the terminology. Oh, the spirit, the spirit did not move today. If there wasn't some sort of everybody going down to the altar and pouring out their heart to God, the spirit didn't move today. I didn't think anything of that until I started to realize that that is actually incorrect. The spirit moved if the word of God was preached from the pulpit, you know, is like that. That's the spirit moving. Anytime you cracked open your Bible and you were able to look through the word of God and say, oh, yeah, that's me. Or, oh, what is God saying? The spirit is moving. You can't understand anything without the Holy Spirit. You can't come to God without the Holy Spirit. In fact, you cannot get saved without the Holy Spirit. So the emotional response, the heart is going to follow the head. It is not the other way around. You can't love what you don't know. God doesn't bypass the mind to get to the heart. So that means you have to get to know, like even Jesus said, he who loves me will obey my commandments. When you look at that, you say, okay, obey his commandments. So that means I have to know what those commandments are in order to obey them. And the love that I have for God, once I know what those commands are and know who he is, that's going to make me, the love I have will make me follow suit and obey those commandments. Everything that we see with the, like even, uh, I think Romans 10, nine, where Jesus or not Jesus, but Paul said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. We see heart and head together in that. We see if you confess with your mouth, what am I confessing? I'm confessing what I know and believe in my heart. So again, those things are, are the head and the heart are linked together. My response is the confession, but what I am confessing, what I know, which means I believe it when those two things come together. And so I always say for me, I do a a gut check a lot because I think with what you and I do always doing the podcast, always looking at people, do I, do I want them on my podcast? And then for me, scripting my own episodes and going through, I ask myself, how is this one going to glorify God and not yourself? Yes. Two, am, yes. am I only is is reading the Bible today a box I'm checking off my list? And I take that to the Lord, and I ha- I remember my 17 year old, the 17 year old kid that I was, who said I'm going to be honest with God, and learn then that God can handle my honesty because questions that God asks us, do you really love me? are just to reveal what's really happening. It's not because he doesn't know. And so I just tell the Lord, Lord, help me not to make this legalism. Help me not to make this a heady thing. Like I find also that when I'm cleaning or when I'm doing something that the Lord, you know, when I'm meditating on the word, God's always dealing with me and I, things will click or I understand better. I try to give God that time because I can also fill up my head with podcast and not listening to the Lord. So it really is. It's, it's simultaneous. It's realizing that the head and heart are not disconnected. And then it also takes self-reflection and examining myself and going before the Lord and saying, God, you examined me before many, many times in my life. And it started, I, my first remembrance of it is at 17, help me to never get away from you. Cause we can easily do that, you know? So, yeah, I think that it's just honest with God, but also realizing that, the emotions and the response follows what I know. So it has to go together. We can't compartmentalize those things. So good. And I love that you're saying gut check too, because I think in addition to getting super heady about things or overthinking things or overcomplicating them, we can also emotionalize things. We can make them super emotional or we can over-spiritualize. Yeah. So can you speak to those two things? Because I think some people think, oh, they have a stronger connection with God because they're like super spiritual or like, you know, right. this person is feeling stuff all the time. So I think that can be dangerous, right? Because God expresses himself very intimately and personally into each person. So if you're just looking at one expression as being the way people receive right. it, that can really discourage many people. So I'm just curious about folks over spiritualizing things as well. Right. The gut check. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I used to love and sometimes crave a, a, a word, quote unquote word like a for me from somebody in my, in the congregation. Right. Yeah. And when I was, when I was really young, like early twenties, if, if someone didn't have a word for me, I almost felt let, let down. But when they did, I felt very like God singling me out and I felt very special over time. I got to be a lot more. Now I'm very skeptical of that if somebody comes to me and tells them, cause it, first of all, my thing is this, if you have your own personal relationship with God, yeah. unless you're just not listening, unless you're just missing something and God's going to use some Avenue to get through to you, you should be having that time with God. He should be dealing with you in your own personal time. Right. So I don't go looking for that anymore. And actually I've had people from my, you know, from other, my old church, even if I still talk to somebody will tell me something from the Lord. And I just say, thank you. You know, what can I say? Thank you. Unless it, unless it's like, okay, I know that was the Lord. 
So over-spiritualizing things, I think that that happens on the person's end who wants to always give someone a word. Everything's always, you know, and I think one of the things that people have to do is to be careful because you're actually saying I'm speaking on behalf of God, exactly. you know, and, and Jesus said for every idle word, you will give an account. Yes. And so I, to me, I, I, if I'm going to give someone a quote unquote word from God, which I haven't done that in, I don't know how long, um, I am going to tiptoe around that. I'm going to be careful with that because I'm not going to tell them that God is telling me to tell them something unless I know it's God. Um, so being careful with over-spiritualizing things is something that we just have to remember if we're putting God's name on it, then we're going to be held accountable to that. So, you know, we have to be careful with it. One, two, also, <clears throat> you know, if it doesn't, con if it's not confirmed in the word, then you shouldn't believe it anyway. You know, you shouldn't buy into that and you shouldn't speak it. On the other hand, there's, there's two, two sides to this, right? The person who speaks it, the person who receives it. So I think you have to be careful with, with that as well. But I would also say a couple of years ago, I had, uh, I got C. diff from an antibiotic from strep throat. And I'm, I'm like, Hey, you can hear from God in his word, you know, and then you have to read it in context. You cannot isolate a verse. I mean, I have my things where I'm like, this is how you learn to study the Bible. If I was to teach somebody how to study the Bible, these are the things that you would say, read it in context. Don't isolate a verse. You don't want to make, you want to make sure you don't take it out of context. Well, this, I think God has his way. God can move through any avenue. He can move through. He can do what he wants. He's God. And in my desperation, I was like, I thought by this point, I was like getting super dehydrated, was getting ready to go to the emergency room. But I was like, I'm going to die of this, like the C. diff, right? And so I remember like opening my Bible and I just never do this ever. But I open up my Bible and I'm like, I got to hear from God. And I point, put my finger on a verse, right? Yes. And it's like Psalms 34. I, I don't quote me on it's 30 something, but it was, I was reading through it and I'm like, oh my gosh, the Lord is like encouraging me. And it said, it finally got to the part where it says, you shall see the Lord in the land of the living. And I knew I wasn't going to die. Like I knew I was not going to die of this, that I'm going to get the medical help that I need. But I was like, that's so funny because God doesn't need our strategic ways either. Like he doesn't need me to say in context, don't take it out of, you know, make sure you're not just flipping the Bible open and pointing and shooting because God doesn't normally work like that. But at the same time, in our desperation, God's going to meet us where we are. And he did that day. So I, I have to say, like, I'm not going to sit here and say it has to be this way, but on a daily basis, I would say there's ways, the correct way to read the Bible and you should do that. But in your desperation, don't worry. God's going to come through anyway. Even if it's the simplest, silliest, don't do it this way all the time ways because he's God and he can do it because he's not doing that because, because of himself, like he's doing because he's faithful to me. And that was the best I could do that day. You know, the best I could do that day was to point and shoot and just say, God, I need you in my desperation. And he showed up. So yes, I think if you're routinely over spiritualizing things, try to reevaluate that and take it to scripture. Yeah. Be careful what you hear from people. If they're saying they have a word from the Lord for you, um, evaluate that before you just swallow it hook, line and sinker. But at the same time, know that when you're down to the end of your rope and you're like, God, I need you, he's going to come through, you know, I've had it before too. Um, and one more thing I was in my kitchen one, one morning and I was making my boys uh, some lunch and making them a sandwich. 
And I was just like stressing about my next teaching job because my assignment had just ended and they hadn't told me what my assignment was for the next school year and school was about to start. And I had this big plaque on my wall that said, be still and know that I am God. And I read it all the time. It was above my office doors and it was just there. But I was like, Lord, I was praying. I said, Lord, I'm really nervous about the next school year. I haven't heard from anybody yet. I don't want a full-time job. The boys are little, but I do want, you know, another part-time job. I'm like, should I, you know, should I start sending out these applications and emailing people? And as soon as I, you know, I was just sitting there swiping on peanut butter and jelly and I look up and those words became alive and it said, be still and know that I am God. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I told my husband, I said, I think God's telling me he's going to take care of it. And sure enough, a few days go by and a school district, a school called me a principal and said, we want you to come in and interview for this. My point is this, God can speak to us however he wants to speak, but when he does, yes. And however, and we, when he does, we'll know it. Those times are fewer and farther between than getting it through diligence, seeking through the Lord, through the word and being built up on a daily basis. Because there are times, how many times have you read your Bible where you're like, is this even working? I'm reading this chapter, this book, and I don't feel like I know anything, but soon enough, that word comes in handy when you're talking to somebody in conversation, because we don't think it's doing anything at the moment. And then there are times when it jumps out at us and we know God is telling me, God is speaking to me by, by his word or through this Avenue. So I think it can be both and at different times in different situations. And I'm thankful for that. Cause again, God can use a plaque on the wall when he wants to do that. You can operate outside of any sort of protocol time, any of that. Right. Sure, so I love, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love to thinking about just when you store up the word in your heart, like it's like a, a bank. Do you know what I mean? Like you just keep putting it in there and you're just stacking yeah. and stacking all this word. And it, you're doing that for when you need it most. Sure. You don't even know when you're putting it in there for, but like, you're going to need that word. So just the idea right. of doesn't matter if I feel something, this is just a diligent practice because I know this matters in me living my life in a yeah. way that I'm honoring God that I'm able to obey him. Cause how can I really do that if I don't know him or his sure. word? Right. So this practice of just stacking it into your heart, I think is a powerful one. Absolutely. This is coming up as you were talking, um, the difference between performance and relationship like this desire to be like doing stuff for God all the time versus like necessarily with God or also just like wanting to know him and seeking his face can you speak to that yeah like I feel like you've got some thoughts (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's a I think it's hard to strike balance as human beings right it's hard to I feel like the pendulum is always swinging wide one side or the other but we do have these things called um, disciplines, right? You think of, we're all called to be disciples, which is another way to say student of the word. And with, along with discipleship comes certain disciplines. Those are the same, like a a root word is the same in those. And so we have spiritual disciplines, like going to, to church together with like believers, reading our Bible, being in time with prayer with the Lord. And so we have to have, we have to institute those spiritual disciplines into our lives and they have to become like Paul's. One of my favorite verses is first Corinthians 9, 27, when Paul says, um, I, I condition my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. So after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified. So what he's saying is I am a disciplined person, just like an athlete has to train their bodies. There is discipleship is an institution of disciplines, which meaning you're going through training on a daily basis. The question is, how do I make sure that doesn't become a religious 
a rigid performance-based thing. And I think it goes down, like I tell myself this, the day that I stop wanting to know God, like that 17-year-old girl's heart desire, is the day that it's become a chore. It's the day that's become something that I do just for the sake of doing it. And so that's the gut check for me. Is my heart's desire still, God, I want to know you? Because I would often pray, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Just let me know you. And I wanted to know God. And God has been faithful to uphold his end of that prayer by saying, here's like, like the, the realization that I needed to study the word every day, the realization that apologetics was what I needed to, in order to have a better case for what I believed. And so God's been faithful to lead me down those paths to show me what I needed to do. I need to be faithful to say, is my heart's desire still to know him? Because the heart's desire to know God is the head and the heart working together. When one of those things become isolated, and I only want to know, but I don't want to love, and or, or I only want to feel, but I don't want to get to know, then I'm doing it wrong. And yeah. so I have to always be in unison. The whole person has to desire to know God. It cannot just be the action, and it cannot just be the emotion. It has to be both together. And yeah. so it's always going to be self-reflection too. And then I always ask the Lord, yeah. God, don't let me go. Like, don't let me go. And all the craziness and all the busyness, hold on to me and get my attention like you did when I was 17. If he was faithful, then he's going to be faithful today because I need God to do that for me. We are runners. We are hiders. Look at Adam and Eve. They hid from God. They stayed away from him. They try to fix their own problems. That is also built into the nature of man. And so we have to remember that if we just say, God, whenever I try to hide or run, just hold on to me, whatever that looks like. He'll be faithful to do that. I am very confident. The Bible says in several places that he who began a good work in us is faithful to to complete it. I don't have to complete it. I just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. He's going to complete it. He's going to finish what he started in each and every one of us. As long as we're willing to say, hold on to me and don't compartmentalize the head and the heart. Yes. Yes. And I love to, you had said this verse in the beginning, like you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Like I love that, right? But yeah. I think that that's like our seek is everything to do with relationship. When you think about even just a relationship in your life, when you are not really interested in pursuing that person, just curious about how they're doing, what's going on in them. Like, is there any way you can serve them, support them, be present with them? That relationship falls apart. So right. it's the same thing. Like if you have no desire to know God, dig into his word, like hear what he says about you, what he desires for you in this season. Like if you have no desire to do that, like it is flat. Like you fall very much into that lukewarm, if not cold place. Sure, right? you go absolutely. So deep to that like reprobate mind, that like heart that's not even got a desire anymore. Right. Literally fall into that. And to me, that's an intimidating thing because it's almost like if you've been out of the will of God and in the will of God, you're like in is much better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like I'd rather be in anytime, especially because life is going to come with tests, trials of many kinds, right? But like how are we going to get through those? Yeah. Different than have God. So I just think about that with relationship. It's like, how well am I relating to my creator? Right. What do I want to do? Because he's he's not changing his pursuit of me and his side right. of the channel, right? Like where am I though? Is right. my intensity, my passion, my pursuit even close to his to right. me? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause we live in a culture too, that's challenging 
our beliefs on the daily, you know, I mean, we, and again, when we look back at what Jesus says, if you obey my commands, um, then you love me. And a lot of those commands are hard. They're going to take God to do them, like praying for your, your enemies and, and doing good to them and, you know, holding to, to the, the truth of God's word in a culture that says, you know, a lot of conflicting things. How do I, how do I remain true and faithful? Well, there is no neutral neutrality. There's no middle ground. A lot of things in the Bible tell us that it's an either, or you're either conforming to the patterns of the world, or you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those are, you're either sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit. What is the desire in that is the desire to say, God, even when it's difficult, even when your commands violate the, the, you know, the, the, what the culture is saying, the cultural narrative help me to stay strong in that. The only way we are going to do that is also another, another example from John being attached to the vine, getting that nourishment and that, that growth from the vine, which is Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And so we have to remember that. Do we want to stay attached to that vine? Do we want to stay attached to who God is in relationship with him? Because the only other option is to be cut off from that vine, you know, if you're not bearing the fruit. And so there's so many things the Bible tells us that can support that, you know, what you're saying about relationship. But I think that that pretty much tells us the picture. What's our desire? Is it to be with him? Because Again, in either or, Jesus says, he who's not with me is against me. There's no middle ground. There's no riding that fence, you know? Yep. It's so good. It's so good. And I want to hear too. I know. I'm like, we could riff the whole day. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to hear what you are sensing is up for you in this season. Like what God is leading you into and what you're really excited about. Well, I am getting ready to launch our train your brain curriculum. It's an introduction to logic, which is teaching people how to think rather than be told what to think. And so, um, there's, you know, there's four different categories of belief. Everybody who has a belief believes for one of four reasons. And that's it. You're either believing something because of social reasons, somebody influenced you psychological reasons, because it feels good religious reasons, because a pastor or somebody got to you first or you're believing because of good reasons and evidence. That's it. So if you're believing in one of those first three categories, social, uh, psychological, or religious, you're being told what to think. If you believe because of reasons and evidence, then you know how to think, or you've evaluated the information and come to a conclusion based on how to think. So that's what we're trying to do with, um, I'll be teaching middle schoolers live with that, but it's also, the course is also launching for high schoolers and adults because everybody is like, we don't learn this in the public school system anymore. It's not being taught. Logic is it. And so right now I'm doing that. I'll also be, I, I feel like, so I told you my boss, like Frank Turek, he speaks to college students, atheists and skeptics. I feel called to the Christian who's like, Hey, Shanda, I was where you were. I was raised in church, but I really didn't have those missing pieces to why I, I knew, you know, knowing the reasons, the evidence for, for why I believe in Christianity. So I am, uh, writing a curriculum that launches in January. That's called baseline apologetics, which means if you don't have, if you have the gaps in your learning for like biblical literacy, and then you also want to weave in the apologetics concepts, we're laying the biblical foundation while talking about why these things 
point to God's existence. And so that's hopefully going to fill in those gaps for Christians who are saying, I just need a better one, a better understanding for myself, need to articulate it better for those that are asking in a culture where we have so much information at our fingertips, but it's actually made the world more skeptic, skeptical rather than more confident. And so Christians need to be able to have a good defense because people really are looking for the truth in a culture that's telling them you can determine your own truth. So I'll be writing more curriculum and stuff like that. So this is for the 6% of the 75%. Exactly. This is for the both. Yeah. This is for the the whole percent. Yeah. We're doing all of it. We're we're trying to get all of them. No, but it's definitely, we want to make sure people get a Christian's definitely get a biblical worldview, hopefully. And I'm hoping that number rises because in reality, if the, if the biblical worldview, the 6% actually rose to 20%, the culture would be better off than if that 65% who claims Christianity rose to 85%. Like who cares what they claim? What do they actually believe and live? Yeah. Yeah. So So we need that percentage to go up. So good. So I got a question. This one, I love to ask it like many, many years from now, right? When you're with Jesus now, you can't take all of these bodies of work, all these beautiful things that you're creating, whether that's like courses, any sort of legacy, but you can leave a piece of advice that would totally transform people's lives, their destiny. What would you tell them? Make knowing God your heart's desire. And if it's not, because sometimes that could be like, but it's not, then ask God for that desire. And I know he'll give it to you. Like sometimes we know what we should do, but we don't, but we don't want to do that. Or we don't have that desire, but we know it's the right thing. Just ask God, help me to want to know you, make you the thing that I want most in this world. And God will help you get there. He will. So good. Just being honest about where your heart is and what it's currently desiring, and then asking for him to change it. Always be honest with God. He knows anyway, you might as well tell him the truth. 100%. (laughs) Shanda, this is so refreshing. I am honestly so encouraged and inspired because I feel that same gap is out there and that can be really intimidating. And then especially when you see a lot of generals of the faith, right? Transitioning, yes. it's it's really even more intimidating. Like who's who's rising up? Like how are we going to fill this gap? So it's so encouraging. I'm so grateful for you, for all of this beautiful work that you're doing, for all the things that you are sacrificing to bring this into the world. Thank you so much for sharing with us and giving us like a little crumb of what you do. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yes. And how can people connect with you? Uh, They can find me on any social media platforms at Shanda Fulbright. And my, my podcast is her faith inspires podcast. Yes. That couldn't be more true. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Listen, if you are not plugged into CourageCo yet, what are you doing? CourageCo is a faith-based community off social media that you can access from your phone or your desktop, literally from anywhere. It is a safe place and a sacred space for you to invest in and live your most courageous and impactful story. You can join us for free for prayer calls and challenges, 
for a monthly subscription where we have monthly masterclasses or the God's Vibes Mastermind where you will get live master life coaching at a price that you won't get anywhere else. 12 weeks of content that we will go through together or you can navigate at your own pace. You'll have lifetime access to that. A community of women doing this alongside of you, a workbook and so many other materials to help you on your journey. And I just want you to imagine for a second, having the courage, clarity and focus to achieve anything you desire. Walking into any situation, fully confident, knowing you have everything you need to succeed. Embracing challenges and overcoming obstacles with grace and ease. Feeling only love and compassion for others, no matter how they may have hurt you in the past. Standing up for what you believe in and taking unstoppable action to create the kind of world you want to live in. You're in the right place to take your next step on your journey. When you plug into the God's Vibes Mastermind, I'll teach you how to identify and eliminate the self-limiting beliefs and habits that are stopping you from getting the results you want. I'll teach you how to heal old wounds that have negatively impacted your self-image and self-esteem for far too long. I'll show you how to dismantle the story of who you are and what you can or cannot do in the world. I'll help you expand your consciousness from fear-based limitation to love and compassion and service to the world. I'll help you vanquish the inner enemies that are stopping you from being all that you can be. Release your victimhood and reclaim your power. Develop a aligned mindset and habits to boost your productivity and results. Gain deeper awareness of your own inner light and divinity and achieve the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self-mastery needed to achieve any goal. You will learn how to think the way God formed, shaped, and anointed you to think and succeed the way he always intended and show up in any situation as the most powerful person in the room, no matter what challenges might appear on your path. If this sounds like something that you want to be a part of, I want to invite you to join the God's Vibes Mastermind. You can get plugged into it over at Courage Co. You can access Courage Co. at any level at www.courageco.org. Together, we will awaken your inner warrior spirit and unleash your capacity to achieve any goal you can imagine. You will become an example of what's possible with God.